As you can see, we're coming to you from outside today. After all the rain we've been having, it was hard to resist a beautiful day. In case you don't recognize the spot, we're standing in front of one of the buildings at 59 Worthing Road in Lexington. The Grace Chapel congregation has been gathering on this spot since the 1950s, actually. The sanctuary behind me here was built back in 1980, and this community life center attached to it we finished in 2004. But this is just one of many buildings that we normally gather in on Sundays when we come together as a church. In addition to our campus here in Lexington, we also have campuses in, in Wilmington. And yeah, you can cheer for your campus if you want. And in Watertown and, and East Lexington, Foxborough, and a strategic partner church in Amherst, New Hampshire. And it seemed like after six weeks of quarantine that you might enjoy at least seeing the, the buildings you normally gather in, places that feel like home to many of us. And if you don't know Grace Chapel, at least you know now a little bit of what we look like on the outside. But there's really a more important reason I'm coming to you this way today, and why the whole service is coming to you this way. We're trying to drive home a simple but profound truth. The church has left the building. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. The church has left the building. And while many of us miss being together in these places that feel like home to us, the truth is something important and actually exciting is happening right now. And by the time we're done today, I hope you'll understand why. Now, maybe you're not much of a church person for any number of reasons. Well, I hope you'll hang with me today too and, and maybe take a fresh look at what the church could mean for you and for your family and for our world in these days. So imagine with me for a moment that the year is 1995. You and your family have just moved to a new town and you're looking for a church home. You drive by a nice looking church one day and decide to drop in and see what you can find out. So you ask to speak to the pastor and he comes out and warmly welcomes you to town. And then imagine a conversation unfolding something like this. Tell me about your church, you ask. What time are your services? Well, we don't really have services in the traditional sense of the word, the pastor says. We worship together in our homes, Sunday morning or whenever it works best for people. You mean people don't come to the building? You don't, you don't gather for worship? Oh no, we gather, he says. We just do it, you know, virtually, spiritually, sort of. We all sing the same songs and hear the same message. It works pretty well, actually. All right, whatever. Tell me about your kids' programs. I've got two in grade school and one in middle school. I really want them to get connected and get grounded in their faith. Do you have Sunday school and youth group? Well, we don't really have kids' programs like that, not in the traditional sense anyway. What we do is we provide families with resources so they can worship and learn at home. And then the leaders and kids kids connect with each other, you know, virtually, on the phone and stuff like that. It works pretty well, actually. All right, you say, but, but how about small groups? It's really important to us to have a small group of people we can study the Bible with and do life together. Oh yeah, the pastor says, we have all kinds of groups, hundreds of them, in fact. Great, you say, do they meet in homes or in churches? Well, neither, the pastor says. They just meet sort of, don't tell me, virtually you say. Yes, that's right. They just sort of zoom over. 
Oh, so they do drive somewhere. No, not that kind of zoom. All right, you get the idea. If, if I were to suggest to you in 1995 that you could have a thriving church of 4,000 people without ever gathering in buildings for worship or prayer or Bible study or fellowship, you'd think I was a lunatic or a heretic at least. But here we are today on, on a Sunday in 2020 and just about every church building in America is empty right now. And yet the body of Christ is alive and well, and in some ways doing some of the best kingdom work it's done in a long time. It's crazy. But here's the really crazy thing. What's happening right now is exactly what Jesus and his right-hand man Peter had in mind when they started this thing some 2,000 years ago. Listen to a few lines that Peter wrote in the first century to, to the early church. He wrote, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Well, we're in week three of a series that we're calling What Now? What now that our world has been turned upside down by this global pandemic? I don't know about you, but it seemed to me everybody I talked to this past week hits sort of a wall all of a sudden. Maybe it was the news that school was going to be closed for the rest of the year, or the fact that there might be a second wave coming, or the realization this thing was going to be with us not just for weeks, but for months and, and maybe even years. It just seemed too much to comprehend. I mean, how long are we going to do this? How long can we do this? So this spring, we're turning to a couple of letters written by the Apostle Peter, to Christians who are living in a time of, of, of cultural upheaval and, and social dislocation. People who, like us, were asking, what now? What, what now for my family? What now for my work? What now for our society? And today, the question we want to go after is, what now for the church? Now that nothing is the way it used to be. What we're going to discover what we in fact are already discovering is that we can be the church without coming to church. We can be the church without coming to church. And let me tell you why I think that's so exciting. For the next few minutes, I want to show you what I mean, focusing on just one verse in the passage we just read. And it's this verse, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Let's just kind of zoom in on those words for a few minutes and then kind of take a big picture look at what it means for us today. So who's Peter talking about when he says, you also? Oh, as we've learned, he's writing to followers of Jesus Christ who are living in a part of the Roman Empire known as Asia Minor. Some of them were Jewish believers who had emigrated from Israel 
bringing their faith in Jesus with them. And others of them were Greek and Romans who had come to faith in Christ from pagan backgrounds. But all of them were feeling dislocated, disoriented, uncertain, and even afraid in a culture that was becoming increasingly unfamiliar and unfriendly. But when Peter says to them, you also, he's comparing them to Jesus, who he has just described as a living stone chosen by God and precious to him. He's saying that what was true of Jesus, that he's a living stone, is also true of you. And if it was true of them, by implication, it's also true of us. We too are living stones, chosen and precious. But, but what's a living stone? I mean, it sounds like, like an oxymoron, right? Two words that contradict each other, like jumbo shrimp, like social distance. I mean, how can you be social and distant at the same time? Well, we're learning, I guess, how to do that. These two words, living stones, seem to contradict each other. I mean, what's, what's deader than a stone? I mean, a stone can, can be beautiful, strong, and solid, and stable, but, but a stone doesn't move, it doesn't change, it, it doesn't grow. And yet a living thing, a plant, or an animal, or a person, a living thing, changes, it grows, it moves, it adapts to its environment. A living thing becomes something more than it is. And so a living stone has the strength and beauty of a stone with the adaptability and, and the growth of a living thing. I mean, that's a powerful combination. And Peter says of these living stones that they are being built into a spiritual house. Now, when those first century readers heard that expression, a spiritual house, they immediately thought of a temple. The Jews thought of the temple back in Jerusalem. The Greeks and Romans thought of the temples that were found in, in every Greek and Roman city, to Zeus or Aphrodite or whoever. A temple represented the, the presence and power of a god or gods in a particular location, in a city or a state or a nation. A temple gave people access to God. It was a place they could come to, to worship or to give thanks, to, to ask for help, to find healing. And those first century believers, they couldn't imagine religion apart from a building in which people could find and experience God. Just like it's, it's hard for many of us to imagine church without the buildings and the programs that so many of us are used to. But Jesus is building a spiritual house, Peter says, a virtual temple, we might call it. And every follower of Christ is a living stone in that temple, strong and beautiful, but growing and changing. And, and Jesus, the master builder, is, is bringing all these stones together, selecting them, shaping them, fitting them together into this thing that he calls a spiritual house. And so Peter's telling these believers, and he's telling us, 
that we are the temple, that we together bring the presence and power of God to a particular location, to a city or a nation, to a neighborhood, to a campus, to a workplace. We collectively are the church. We're, we're the place where God can be found and experienced. Where you go, the church goes. Where we are, the church is. That's an amazing thought. Then he says one more thing. Let's look at it and then I'll bring it all together. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, we know what a priest is. A priest is a person who, who acts on God's behalf. A priest leads people to God. A priest ministers God's grace or peace or comfort or strength to a person in time of need. Now, in the first century, in the ancient world for both Jews and Greeks and Gentiles, priests were always a special class of people. They were set apart. They were specially trained. We would call people like that clergy today. And clergy are kind of a set-apart kind of a people. To be frank, to, to many people, clergy are just a little bit strange, a little weird. I mean, we, we go to things called seminaries, whatever that is. Sometimes we wear, wear robes and collars. We preach in parking lots. It's just a little weird. Well, I have news for you. According to Jesus and Peter, we're all weird. We're all priests. We all minister God's grace and peace and comfort to the people and places we find ourselves. We're all acting on God's behalf in the world. And where do we do those things? Where do you do those things, most of you? Not in church buildings. You do them in the places you live and work and study and play every day. You do it out here in the world. Where you go, the church goes. Where we are, the church is. And that's why it's a good thing that the church has left the building. As eager as we are for this thing to be over, to be able to gather together in person, and I am eager for us to be able to do that. We dare not lose the lessons we're learning or the ground we're gaining in these particular circumstances when we're not able to, to do church the way we've always done it before. I honestly believe that the Lord, the builder of the church, is using this experience to reshape to reform his church for the times in which we live. And don't miss the fact that, that Peter is the one telling us these things. Peter, whose name means rock. Peter, the one to whom Jesus said, I will build my church. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about buildings like this. He was talking about people like us. The church is not a building, it's a body. It's, it's not a place, it's people, it's not an institution, it's a movement. I first preached on this passage here at Grace Chapel back in 2004. Now back then we were in the middle of a big building project, this building behind us right here. And so it was a time of 
terrible disruption and disorientation in the life of our church. We had torn down every building except the sanctuary. And so we couldn't meet in all the usual places and ways that we were meeting. Now at that particular time, this stone wall behind me here was also just being built. And so on the Sunday when I came to preach on this passage, I came up on a Saturday and I actually hauled about a dozen of these stones into the sanctuary and piled them up on the platform next to where I would preach. Now, it didn't look like much of anything. It was just a pile of odd-shaped rocks randomly tossed together. But I explained to the congregation that in the same way that the stonemasons out front were putting these stones together, carefully selecting each one, shaping it and rounding it and fitting it into just the right place, in the same way Christ was bringing us together. He was selecting us. He was shaping us individually and fitting us together, building this thing called a spiritual house, spiritual building. It doesn't look like much now, I said to the congregation, but God is going to do something beautiful here. And friends, he has. I mean, who could imagine what he was going to do. And you, many of you, have been a part of that story. In fact, I got to thinking just today, I wonder how many of you listening here today have come to Grace Chapel since 2004. Go ahead, raise your hand. Higher, I can't see it. Ah, you get it. I, I, I can't see your hands right now, but but I've got to believe that at least half of you, and maybe more, have come to, been added to this spiritual house since 2004. What a beautiful thing. And I'm not just talking about this house in Lexington. I'm talking about the house in Wilmington and Watertown and East Lexington and Amherst, New Hampshire and Foxborough and everywhere people are joining us online right now because I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about a community. I'm talking about living stones who bring the power and presence of God, access to God, to a community, to a city, to the world. God has done more than we ever could have asked or imagined in these 15, 16 years. And I believe he's continuing to do those things, even in this time of pandemic and in the days yet to come. Now, church leaders are beginning to talk about what church might look like on the other side of this pandemic. And no one knows, obviously, but we know the church is changing right now. And some of those changes are for the better. So let me just think with you for a minute about some of the things I see happening in life of the church right now that I hope will stay with us on the other side. Four changes. First, I believe the church is becoming more prayerful, more prayerful. I mean, this thing has brought us to our knees, this virus. We don't have the resources right now to beat it. Medicine, education, technology, government, we're all doing the best we can. But, but 
we realize this thing is beyond us. We need wisdom. We need strength. We need, we need healing that comes from someplace beyond ourselves. And so we're praying more than ever, I think. Every one of our campuses right now has a prayer, weekly prayer gathering happening, virtually, of course. We have a, people sending their prayer requests into the church and a team of people who are lifting those prayer requests up. The elders are gathering to pray virtually every week. I don't know how it works in your house, but I find that Karen and I are praying together more frequently, more freely than, than we have in a long time, more prayerful. Secondly, I believe the church is becoming more adaptive, more, more innovative. I mean, we have to. Think about it. In one week's time, we moved the entire ministry online because we had to. We're trying things we've never tried before, and some of them work and some of them don't, like preaching in a parking lot. I don't know. I actually thought this was the first time I'd ever pre we'd ever preached outside, but then I remembered way back my first year here, we had a power failure in the middle of the sermon. And I was just going to send people on to go on home, but they said, no, no, take it outside. So I stood on the front porch and they handed me a bullhorn and I finished the sermon in the parking lot with a bullhorn. So we're a little better than that today. We've come a long way, but we're changing. I mean, pastors sometimes joke about the seven last words of the church. We've never done it that way before. Well, those words are out the window right now because we've never done any of these things before. But we've got to try them. After all, a living stone is adaptive. It, it, it adapts to its environment. It changes. It grows. It becomes something. Grace Chapel is going to look different on the other side of this. And that's a good thing. Thirdly, I believe the church is becoming more outward. Since we're not focused on our buildings and our programs and our events, we're focused on people. We're focused on our communities. We're thinking about our neighbors all the time, aren't we? We want them to be health healthy. We want them to be safe. We're aware of each other when we pass people on the sidewalk or in the grocery store. Those of us who are healthier and better resourced are thinking about those who are more vulnerable and less resourced. We're donating time and money and energy and blood and food and whatever we can to help those in need. All of our campuses are involved in their local communities. And finally, the church is becoming more mobilized, more mobilized. See, in normal times, Church leaders, church staff, lay leaders, we spend a lot of time and energy getting people to, frankly, come to our stuff, <laughs> to come to our groups, come to our services, come to our events. And, and that's a good thing. They're, they're great services and events and groups. But now that we don't have any of those things, we're devoting our time and energy to equipping you, to helping you do your stuff, to do your job well to love your children and your family well, to serve your neighbors, to be engaged with your community, to use your gifts to bless the world. And you're doing that in remarkable ways. You've become the ministers. You are the priests of this church. And so I see the church, the church at large and this church in particular, becoming more prayerful, more adaptive, more outward, and more mobilized. And you're part of it, every one of you. 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to become a holy priesthood. This past week, I actually sat down with a couple of pastor friends here from Greater Boston, and we talked together about what's happening in the church these days and where we see this whole thing going. Pastor Bruce Wall is the senior pastor of Global Ministries Christian Church in Dorchester. Pastor Barry Kang is the founding church, founding pastor of a new church, Symphony Church, serving the young adult population downtown. And we had a great conversation this past week. Now, I'm not going to play the interview for you today. It's about nine minutes long, but it's really, really rich. We got, we'll, we'll add it to the end of the broadcast if you want to listen then, or we'll post it on our Grace at Home page. But what struck me as we had this conversation, they had no idea what I was going to be talking about in this sermon, and yet they hit all of the same themes that I've just been describing to you here. It's really a great conversation. Well, let me finish with a, a more personal story that might help to illustrate some of the things that I'm after here today. Our small group met last week, virtually, over Zoom, like many of you are doing. Now, it's a new group. We, we only met a few times in person, actually, before this whole thing hit. A few of our members are in the medical field, so it's been nice to be able to support them. But all of us have needs and challenges and family concerns as we make our way through this experience. So it's been good to have a group. We've been taking turns facilitating, and last week one of our members, a guy I'll call Dan, uh, took his turn to facilitate the discussion. Now, Dan will be the first to tell you he's not a Bible scholar or a seasoned teacher. But Dan very capably and graciously led us through a study of Scripture using the study guides that we provide for our groups. We had a great discussion about the scripture. We talked about what was happening in our own lives. And all of a sudden we realized that our time was about up. And so Dan offered to close in prayer. And for the next couple of minutes, Dan prayed his way around the circle, the seven of us, mentioning each one of us by name, bringing our particular need and request before the Lord in prayer, praying for God to meet us and strengthen us and bless us and our families. And I'm telling you, friends, it was, it was one of the most priestly things I've experienced in a long time. Dan was a rock for me that night, a living stone, strong and beautiful, and, and he made us strong and beautiful that night. The next day, a bunch of us emailed and said, we, we need to meet more often. We need to talk longer. God is doing a beautiful thing in our group in this season. He's fitting us together, forming us into a, a community of people. We're learning to be a group. We're learning to be the church without coming to church. And what Christ is doing in our little group, he's doing all across this church called Grace Chapel and all across all of his churches, all across the world. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And neither will COVID-19.
friends, the church has left the building. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, I realize, as we said earlier, you, you may not be a church person. Maybe you've just never sensed the need for it, never connected. Maybe you've been hurt and disappointed by the church. And I know that happens too often. But maybe, maybe this is a time for you to give church a chance. Maybe a second, a third chance. And see if it might become something strong and beautiful in your life, in your family's life. Maybe right now you're, you're feeling a little dead on the inside, like a stone. Nothing's happening, nothing's moving, nothing's changing. Peter's inviting you to, to come to the living stone, to the corner stone, Jesus, and, and to find your place with him and in him and with his people. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a place for you in this spiritual house called the church. And we'd love to help you find it. So just reach out to us. Send me an email, brian at grace.org. And whether that place is with Grace Chapel or someplace else, we would love to help you find your place in God's church. And if you're not sure exactly what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we'd love to help you with that too. Reach out to us, send me an email. We actually have a virtual alpha group just getting started. This is a group of people who are exploring matters of faith together. It's a great way to get started. The church has left the building, and it's a beautiful thing. Why don't we bow and pray for a moment, and then we'll continue. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, this opportunity to be together. We thank you, Lord, that for this particular place, a place in which you have been at work over many, many years to begin building your church, not these buildings, but building your people. Thank you, Lord, for calling so many of us to be a part of this church that you're building. Thank you for each person listening here today, whether they are a part of the church now or on their way to becoming. Pray, Lord, that you might meet each of us wherever we are today, that we might hear your invitation, that we might find our place among your people and join you in the beautiful work you're doing in the world now and in the days to come. We thank you for the opportunity to be together and for these moments we'll spend together as we close. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we finish up today, we have an opportunity to celebrate in a very tangible way our belonging to the body of Christ, to the church. We're gonna celebrate communion together virtually. Now talk about new things. We did this for the first time back on Good Friday and it was a remarkable, remarkably meaningful experience to know we're joining people all across the city and across the country and even in the world as, as one body of Christ together. So if you would like to participate with us and if you haven't had a chance yet to, to go grab some, some juice or some crackers or some wine, or some bread, some simple elements, you can go get that now and you can join us together. Pastor Leah is going to come and lead us in our communion time. We've asked Leah to bring some steady pastoral presence and leadership.
to our online services and, and online community. So you'll be seeing and hearing a little bit more from Leah in the days to come. So let's allow her to lead us to the table now.